0: hello everyone and welcome back to this uh, episode the second episode in our in our 13 week long discussion on crucibles uh, in a move that mystifies me a little bit having having decided to talk about crucibles for 13 weeks the lesson takes six separate topics which each could have a whole discussion put on them and, and squeezes them into a day each so this this week's lesson is on uh, Uh, crucibles uh, in various forms uh, surprises, crucibles of Satan, crucibles of sin, crucibles of purification, crucibles of maturity Uh, and they're all I think topics that warrant discussion Um, I don't see a lot of unifying ideas between them so we're not going to try and unify them we're just going to pick out some of our favourites Ken's not with us but I am and I'm glad to be here my name's Cameron And I'm Luke, and I'm also glad to
1: be here.
2: And I'm Lachlan.
0: Right. Now, the one that jumped out at me as a question that um, is a bit facetious at one level, but there's some serious comments to be made also. Well, I hope Uh, you'll
1: permit, if it's a question I think it is, Cam, I hope you'll permit a little facetiousness, because since you told it to me before uh, the recording started, I have thought of an additional response to it that I wish to make. Oh, good.
0: So this is the verse. This is about uh, the crucibles of Satan. Uh, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's 1 Peter 5, 8. And um, the lesson admonishes us to consider this text and to ask ourselves, how seriously do we take these words? Uh, What things do you do in your life that show whether you take them seriously? And the following question is... uh, how should Christians react to Satan's prowling? So I think we should plumb the depths of this metaphor Hmm. uh, a little. Well,
1: I'm perfectly willing to take it seriously. However, before I do that, I just wanted to make the comment that it seems like the Sabbath School Quarterly Writer's Quest for the question which is impossible to answer incorrectly is very near a successful climax. (laughs) I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't... I don't suppose anyone's going to say, Luke, either, the, that you should run out and embrace the lion. <laughs> I,
2: I would think not. Mm. Mm. I mean, it does raise... Cam, you were chatting yeah. this just before we started recording. It does raise the question, how are the... Let's think about the different ways that humans actually respond to real, physical, zoological lions, just for a moment. Because there's a wide range... I mean, historically, um, there's, there's the, the there's the fear. You know, lions out there in the savannah, uh, they are... Carnivores, and we are the flesh that they like to to eat. You know, more or less. So, so there's that sort of response. But of course, we live in a society now where almost everyone's encounter with a lion is behind bars or a glass wall, and and they're majestic, they're awe inspiring, they're, they're wonderful, because there's a bit of added safety in in the environment of a well constructed zoo.
1: In, in some ways, yeah. it makes it a much less suitable metaphor. Uh, these days than it, I dare say, it was when it was written. I would be much more scared of a lion, uh, if I didn't have a zoo and an entire zoo keeping staff, or indeed access to firearms. <laughs> uh, you know, if all I had was a stick or a sling, as David famously did, mm. um, I would be much more afraid of a lion than than I. You know, And also if I lived in a country that had lions, I would be much
2: more afraid of lions than I presently am. Let me tell you a brief anecdote then. (laughs) Out Out at the Dubbo Zoo, the Western Plains Zoo, when I was there last, which was a couple of years ago, they had recently completed a new lion enclosure. And for the feeding of the lions, what they would do is they would come and they would take the lions off their... Their large expanse, which which was quite big, you know, much bigger than a typical zoo lion enclosure, because this is Western Plains Zoo. It's very very large animal zones, and this one was was big. You know, it was much much bigger than a than a even generous suburban house block. Uh, you know, it would have been a couple of acres, probably a hectare or two. This this large lion enclosure. They would take the the, the female lions off. There were four or five of them, if I remember correctly. Then they would drive around and they would deposit. Pieces of meat um, in a few key locations. Then they would take that that vehicle out and that open the gate again and let the let the lions in. And in order to fully enjoy the experience, they had cons- f- for all of the audience watching, all of the zoo visitors, that part of the lions enclosure wasn't made with bars but just with large glass windows, presumably thick and well reinforced glass. So with nothing but clear glass between us and a and a a herd of lions I don't think that's the word that you use pride. a pride of lions it felt like a like a herd they're running right towards you from you know 100 meters away 80 meters away coming at, at fair speed across the ground towards you to get to the food that they know is there. And one of the bits of a carcass that had been thrown was only about two metres on the other side of the glass. And the lion came, one or two of the lions had a bit of a fight about who got to have the larger piece, and that was right in front of us. And, and then there it was, a lion crunching down on these bits of rib and um, just looking at us with, I have to admit, it felt like a very malevolent eye through that glass and it seemed to me that if the lion thought the glass had any weaknesses at all it was sizing up which of us it was going to add to that particular afternoon's meal um a very impressive zoo experience i have to say one of the best encounters of, with a lion that you can get outside of actually going to africa but but yeah it gave me it gave me reason to to appreciate the physical prowess of those animals <laughs>
0: Well, look, let's let's take that in a serious direction then. There is, of course, the proverb um, about the uh, uh, the man. The, remember, the foolish man lies in bed all day. He says, "I won't go outside because there might be a lion in the street." Mm. Um, so, <clears throat> one response when it says, "How should Christians react to Satan's prowling?" One response is to say, "Oh, the devils, the devils at work in pubs. The devils at work in biker gangs. The devils at work in..." Um, yeah, cinemas. Help me here. Where's a place? Casinos, cinemas. So, um, seven eleven. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Churches. So, <laughs> oop,
1: oop,
0: oop, 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 take all back. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Yeah, Backpedal back a little bit there. Look. So, so obviously, the correct response is that we ought never, mm-hmm. under any circumstances, go to these places. Adrian Plas recalls visiting a um, a church and giving a talk, and after the talk, there was a bit of discussion, and um, the topic of pubs came up, and there was a lady at the church who declared loudly and uh, vehemently, uh, interjecting into the conversation that she had never, never stepped foot into a licensed premise, and she never would. And Adrian, not placed, even a restaurant? Well,
1: uh, sorry, that that's not a I crucial detail. The, Continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, but I also know I think the distinction between restaurants and pubs is slightly blurred in the UK. It's very blurred. Mm. Yeah, more so than it is Mm. here as in pubs are not solely for the consumption of alcohol anyway Um, and Adrian said yeah but what if Jesus wanted you to go in what if there was someone he wanted you to talk to and hypothetically no, no I I wouldn't do it and he was really puzzled by this and really pushed hard for a few minutes and at the end of it the lady said that if she was certain Jesus wanted her to go in she might go in but I'm 78 years old and I've never stepped foot inside a pub. And um, you know, so he found that uh, quite sobering. Mm. But, but that is one one response to a prowling lion. It's just to say, well, I'm just going to avoid all places where the, where the lion could mm. be.
2: Mm. I mean, we, we are in Australia. And, and of course, when we wander through the bush, lions are not the risk. That that we are most prominently thinking of, we don't have any lions in the wild here in Australia.
0: I tell you what, we we do have though, and this is a total new dimension to the Australian bush. Go walking with a group of kids who are anaphylactic to ant bark. Oh,
2: right. <laughs> no.
0: And every single ant's nest. I was on a school camp, and the, we have jack jumpers down in Tassie. And if anyone's not experienced, I've managed to survive, uh, avoid being bitten in the six years I've been living here. But it's an it's a pretty um, intense experience um, and they're called jack jumpers because they leap an amazing distance for an ant so like a foot mm. they'll, they'll they'll jump across and then they bite you and um, it's a really common source of allergies We ate, we went on a camp where in any given square metre it felt like there was at least three jack jumper nests like they were everywhere and we had a boy who was allergic and he got bit and um, at one point we had a uh, a helicopter, two ambulances, and a police car um, scrambled en route with with six epipens on hand. It was a wild ride. Mm. Um, so, are but- you suggesting
2: that that a paraphrase of First Peter five eight might be be, be yeah. on the alert? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a jump jack jumper ant, seeking someone yeah. to in to invoke an anaphylactic reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the only experience I've had of walking around, and it wasn't for my own personal safety, but walking around, being sort of hyper-vigilant all the time mm. for 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 a creature. There's, of course, another reaction. The other reaction is to be super familiar with lions, um, mm. to to say, all right, I'm trying to think of a, of a story about this. I, I, it's not a good story um, because it's not about lions, but it's about a member of the cat family, so I might squeak it in. But uh, we enjoy in our house, and I know I enjoyed growing up, the stories written by Jim Corbett who, um, of course, the big cats almost never actually do kill people preferentially. Mm. But on the odd occasion where a cat is old or injured or going blind or has porcupine quills stuck in its paw or something and genuinely can't catch its normal food, they sometimes turn to eating people. And he was employed by the, Indian, uh, by the British government in India. It was colonial era to hunt down some of these man-eaters. And um, he certainly went to fairly extreme measures um, to protect himself. Obviously had a lot of respect for the prowess of these animals. I, I recall one story in which he was up a tree waiting for a leopard to come, and he had tied thorn bushes around the base of the tree and um, with lots of thorn bushes, so the leopards who are very capable climbers. Um, couldn't climb up and he was up there and then clouds came and it started raining so he couldn't see anything and he couldn't hear anything so he just had to wait in the tree till morning and while he was up there he could feel the thorn bushes near his feet twitching um, and in the morning when his men came they found the tracks of the leopard that had spent about half an hour circling the base of the tree <laughs> trying the thorn bushes to 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 find a way out um, and uh, yeah another occasion he recalled was that there was a room full of 50 people and They were sleeping with the door open because it was hot. Mm. And uh, when they woke up, a lady was missing. And it was one of the ladies who was sleeping in the middle of the room. And they found her body. The leopard had come in and killed her silently and carried her out. And no one had woken up.
2: Mm. Yeah. It's no wonder that in lots of those cultures, some of these animals um, get associated with evil spirits and, and sort of supernatural type ideas because... The, the ability to to move, an animal that big, to move carrying prey so silently through a room with people is just awe-inspiring uh, and a bit daunting, isn't yeah. it?
0: Yeah, um And, of course, I guess there's a, a spiritual analogy uh, to that too. We, we have to, if, if you do believe in demonic spiritual forces, and not all Christians do, um, and C.S. Lewis actually said that it's quite possible to be a Christian and not believe. In the devil, mm. although he did himself, uh, but y- you wouldn't want to sort of belittle the the um, capabilities of the of the devil too much. That that would seem unwise.
2: I want to pick up that point just for a moment, Cam, because I I sometimes wonder whether the Christians, some Christians, have their the wholesomeness of their Christian experience actually undermined slightly by the vividness with which they picture and imagine the the actions of Satan. And I'm thinking about things like, um, you know, probably I, I was about to say everyone's had this happen. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's not true that everyone has been accused of being of telling lies from the mouth of Satan. But I, I certainly have. I've had that accusation leveled against me. And and it was by a fellow Um, a fellow church member, someone you know in in a in a church, and it was it was as a result of a comment that I'd made in a Sabbath school discussion, actually. And I, I, on occasion, if you can believe it, I, I sometimes deliberately be a little provocative. I don't even recall that I was something that I'd said very vigorously. Um, di- disagreed with this particular person, and and I they didn't level the the accusation at my face, but I certainly heard about it, and that was the wording that that I was spreading lies from the mouth of Satan. Now, on the one hand, that's almost humorous, but if you are imagine living your Christian life where you are constantly vividly on the lookout, even your even even your church members, your friends within the community, everyone might be unwillingly or inadvertently an agent of the devil anyone you disagree with you have to it's not just it's suddenly it adds a massive layer of depth that really reduces the ability to actually reconcile it's not just that you've said something that i think i slightly disagree with could we maybe have a fun chat about this and and it's not that it's you've said something i disagree with it god disagrees with it those must be lies from the mouth of satan recant you know please
1: yeah well i I was gonna say i've always wondered but it's not True. I haven't always wondered. I've not always had this level of awareness. But I do wonder if sometimes people adopt that particular point of view because it's actually far more comforting and far less terrifying than the one that I ponder fairly often, which is what if I'm the agent of Satan
0: through <laughs> well, my words Luke, and deeds? You've preempted. You've preempted the um, and I'm causing the, suffering and to, mm. to others because,
1: yeah. I you know you don't have to be intentionally malicious to hurt other people. You yeah, can just be careless yeah. or yeah. tired.
0: We need to come back to this, Luke, and I propose we spend the last four or five minutes looking at the context of this verse in Peter. Well, I, I, um, I
1: before we did that, I did want to make one other observation about the initial question, which is how do we respond to the prowling of the lion? And I was thinking about the lion in the biblical context, and that there is a context in which it's very interesting to consider the prowling lion, and that is the context of the many stories in the Bible, some of them uh, some of them Old Testament stories of, of uh, heroes and characters, um, some of them Christ's parables, about the actions of the shepherd mm. and how the shepherd
0: yeah. deals with the lion. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The hired hand runs and leaves the she- sheep to be devoured, but the shepherd protects. As is as is evidenced by uh, David, mm-hmm. when David's talking to Saul, his description of what he does to the lion is quite vivid. I, I grabbed it by the beard and hit it, yeah. is what he says. <laughs> wow. Which is... Uh, and I remember hearing... I mean, this is the, the dichotomy, isn't it? Because um, this was in the context of a, of a talk, a very measured and careful talk that was given by someone when I was at college. And the point was that, you know, by all means, at, some, at times we're too confident, self-confident. But at other times we're too timid. Sometimes God is calling us to tackle the line. Mm. And obviously there's some there's some wisdom in knowing which is which. But your comment, Luke, was... It's not just tackling the lion in our own lives; it's on behalf of other people. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the thing is is the, the 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 parables make it quite clear as well in the context that Christ as shepherd is is a role that he plays for us, but it's also an example that he sets for us. <clears throat> you know, you, and you mm. think about because that that if I'm remembering right, and I may not be, but the parable of the good shepherd comes along with the parable of the the servants and the talents and the parable of the woman who has ten coins and loses one. Um, <clears throat> these are examples to be followed as much as they are illustrations of character and nature, I think.
0: Mm. Um, Look, I've been thinking, um, just while Luke's been talking there, about your your accusation of, of uh, telling lies from the mouth of Satan. Um, if... Someone believes you to be telling lies. Mm. I'm sorry I'm regressing Luke away from your point, which is a much more important point no, but, not at all. Um, if someone if someone is telling in your opinion lies and Satan is a liar, then it's a fair call to say that they could be from the mouth of Satan. Um, there's There's a, a play here of logic though, um, which we have great fun with in our house. Do you know that our house we're, we're beset. By ninjas in our
2: house. I
0: see. We've got we've got ninjas everywhere, and I, I've got some very direct evidence that there's ninjas in our house. Um, sometimes <coughs> the evidence is this: is that we've never seen a ninja, which is exactly which is exactly what you'd expect to happen if there were ninjas about the house. And sometimes they steal things, and we know they're stealing things because we haven't noticed anything missing, which is. Exactly what you'd expect if there was a ninja stealing things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we have we have a lot of fun with this. Um, <clears throat> but it's the difference between something being consistent with mm. and something proving. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I suspect that a lot of when people identify the devil's actions in the world, what we are saying is this is consistent <gasps> with a malevolent... Well, <clears throat> This is consistent with <coughs> a malevolent, diabolical it, it, spiritual it, power. It, it
1: does. It, it does come it, down to how, what your world view is on how directly, uh, the devil or God may, uh, may act in the world. What what that statement? Uh, I was thinking. I was turning it over in my mind as you were telling that wonderful, wonderful uh, slice of family life. Can, um, I was turning over in my mind the phrase uh, "lies from the mouth of the devil." And I was wondering, in the context of somebody who talks and thinks in those terms, what are lies that don't come from the mouth of the devil? Mm. Because the statement lies from the mouth of the devil implies that there are some lies which do come from the devil and other lies which don't. Mm. Otherwise, they'd just all be lies. There would be no need to say where they came from because they all come from the devil. Hmm. Which is, uh, you know, all lies come from the devil. All all sin Well, so it's interesting. It's quite a common view, I guess, in Christianity. All sin comes from the devil. But sin actually predates the devil. The devil falls into sin. He doesn't create it. Um, It existed before.
0: Yeah, that's an idea. Um,
1: But we probably shouldn't get uh, onto that topic.
0: Well, (laughs) I find a lot of the passages that describe... Uh, the devil. So it's Isaiah and Ezekiel and Revelation, isn't it? Are the main sorts of passages. Yeah. I find I find them to not readily lend themselves to specific interpretations. Uh
1: I, I suppose what I'm wondering, and lot I don't want you to speak on behalf of another person, but do you think they were simply calling you a liar? Um... Or or it was Something in addition to being a liar.
2: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure, and it has now been some time. Uh, unfortunately, the phrase uh, that was accu- that I was accused of is stuck in my mind much more vividly than the actual event itself. Um, I think what they—it's very
0: interesting too. Sorry, look, it's interesting that you're a liar because that infers that you knew you were what you're saying wasn't true. So it wasn't that you were deceived, because someone who is deceived.
2: Yeah, is not well, no, this is I'm wondering if this might be the distinction. I was accused of spreading lies from the mouth of Satan. It could be that I was deceived. That they were not claiming that I was lying. They were claiming that my honest conviction was so misguided that it was actually a satanic deception. Um, and and that uh-huh. is possible. That is possible. In other words, they may not have actually. I don't know what's worse, <laughs> to accuse me of being duped by the devil or accuse me of being an active agent of mistruths. Of no, mistruth. but the devil...
0: But, isn't it, what does Richard quote in Adrian Plath? The devil can deceive even the elect. Uh-huh. Uh, which I think is a passage from yeah. one of Paul's letters. Um,
2: look, I, I think that the, the point was that, it, that it, it was a very consistent picture of the world uh, if you're reading this verse from First Peter. You know, be on your guard, be on your lookout, because the devil is out there roaming around, looking for people to devour, to deceive, you know, active agency in the world. And then essentially what I'm saying is, I wonder if focusing in too much on that can actually be detrimental to to the Christian experience.
0: Yeah. Um, in... Um... In the first Sacred Diary of Adrian Plass's aunt arrives and wants to be taken on a disapproval tour of the neighbourhood um, <laughs> where they hop in the car and drive around and she disapproves. Of, she just points out everything that's wrong or dangerous. I, um, I, I do think and,
1: there's... there's a, I mean, it's, it, it is funny to consider this, but there's a certain sad irony in the idea that somebody be, could, could could be so careful about not exposing themselves to sin in sinful places and then falling prey to
0: it in the
1: pews of a church.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I'm, this is the last Adrian Plas mention I'm going to throw in, but it, it's relevant. I need to put it in. He, he writes uh, in Cabbages for the King, uh, describes his experience as an early Christian writer and they, his advice that was given is go buy Christian magazines and see what people are writing to sort of get a feel for the genre, and he he found the experience very dispiriting. He said uh, there's different sorts of genres, obviously, but one of them seems to be the genre where you find an activity that's generally regarded as innocuous and denounce it as being, you know, a great un- previously unidentified haven for all manner of temptations and evils. <laughs> and he writes an article along this line. About uh, the dangers of a of a afternoon walk in summer. You know, you think it's summer and you're going to stroll off, you know, on your own. But um, uh, but you know, there's so many dangers. I mean, after all, it doesn't not say in Deuteronomy, um, you shall turn neither to the right to the left. <laughs> so when when you walk, you must keep your eyes straight ahead, um, because the devil's like a lion waiting to devour, and who knows what what demonic forms or inappropriate wild. Um, What's the word that means like really pleasurable pleasure? Um, Hedonistic forms might be, um, you know, made by adjacent hedges, or the uh, or the uh, the promiscuity of the rabbits, or the you know. It sort of waxes eloquent about about these huge dangers, (coughs) and that you know, if if we must go for a walk, it shall be with a sober mind Mm. and with our eyes downcast on the on the path ahead of us turning neither to the right nor to the left. Um, and th- this does comment to where we just were, also a slightly new direction. One way you can um, respond to lions prowling about is to make a lot of money from uh-huh. <laughs> And by putting them in Sue's. And where would these authors be in terms of livelihood were it not for their benefactor, as it were, the devil prowling <laughs> around, uh, Providing, you know, fodder for them to write about.
2: Well, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> Profiting from the devil.
0: Well, well, and it, it happens lots of times. Anytime you see someone up the front who's benefiting either monetarily or socially mm. or uh, perceived spiritual standing uh, by appearing knowledgeable mm. about the devil, I mean, it doesn't mean that they are misguided or self-deluded or knowingly, Exploiting people, but there's—it's possible that that it's possible that um, it it makes we warrants at least a small amount of suspicion um, Mm. that that the person might uh, be perhaps overstating their case a little bit um, because of the kudos they're getting. I don't know.
1: Yeah, they—they're definitely. Is I mean there are I think there are many ways to profit from the lion and a lot of those, a lot of those, um, a lot of those are, are are very obvious traps for a Christian. You might say you know, stealing or defrauding or uh, you know dishonest business practices. Uh, you know, um, these. Sort of things, are, are, you know, straight out crime. These sort of things are the obvious ones. Uh, the one I always thought, you know, we don't maybe think enough about is is the one that also falls under the, you know, it. Uh, you think of the commandment, "Thou shalt not take the Lord's name in vain," and there's also very obvious ways of taking the Lord's name in vain that are that are that are you know they're, they're, they're super predictable traps. You know, they're very. It's very easy to avoid any form of swearing using Mm. the Lord's name. And indeed, you can be extremely profane uh, in your choice of swear words without once mentioning the Lord. Uh, And uh, technically, you're fine. I'm not advocating that, just making the observation. Um, But then I I think, and this this combines the two, is where you both profit from the lion and take the Lord's name in vain at the same time. Hmm. Um you know by 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 making profit off saying things are from God when they are not, and that is a that is a business that exists in the world. There are people who fly around on their private jets conducting said business um and they claim to be speaking with the words of God mm. now, I would never claim that ever my 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 words are mine and um, I'm happy to give God credit for anything good in them, but anything bad in them comes from me. Um, and uh, I, I, I really feel like this is a is is a real problem. Uh, but but it's it's not just rich and famous, you know, evangelists who maybe have this issue. There is a problem that can seep down to humble folk like us in the way we think about things. Where we rationalize a choice we have made by saying, "You know, I was led to. This is the language. I, I'm, I'm, I'm employed by an agency of the church. This is language that is used in talking about working for God. I was called to do this. Mm. I, I was led to do that. You know, God called me here. God said I should do this. The Lord led and." We use this language, and I'm not saying every time we use this is is bad, and we've gone on a complete tangent here. This is not really core to our discussion, Um, but I've definitely identified for myself a trap in this language, which is that I decide what I want to do, and I know in my heart it's my desire, but I can see a way that I can justify saying, God, let it, because it is something you know, that has elements of of service to God in it, worthwhile characteristics. But I know that's not actually Mm. why I'm choosing.
0: Well, this, um, I think perhaps then one balance would be to say, at times the devil prowls like a roaring lion, but at other times he is more like head (laughs)
2: lice.
0: Just sort of quietly, you know, living off you, Without you knowing it. Well, uh- and maybe at other times he's like... So uh, what I mean is Peter doesn't have mm. to be wrong in in his letter here. It, 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 I don't think he's pretending to identify the only mechanism or, or mode of... Mm. See, Lyon suggests very blatant mm. intimidation. Mm. But what you're suggesting Luke is there's more subtle ways that yeah. we can
1: Well and I had I had one final illustration. it, it came to me and then it left me uh, and then it came back as you'd already moved on to something else so I apologize for bringing it up again but I was going to finish that previous train of thought maybe we can edit it round if you want um by saying that I would I would much rather be accused by somebody else of of speaking lies from the mouth of the devil than claim of myself that I was speaking the will of God.
2: Uh Ah,
0: yeah. Look, I've just thought of something Mm. while we're on the subject of things we meant to talk about earlier and forgot. When you're talking about Christians who um, feel it must be in the forefront of our minds at all times to look for any place where the devil might be working, Mm. Um, and that... um, That sort of hyper vigilance, it's not just the devil's a line, it's we're out in the savannah on our own, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're all man eaters. And you know, um, it seems to me that uh, God, this is not a contradictory view, this is perhaps um, an additional balancing view. God also requires us to be constantly on the lookout for places where He might be working, yes, yeah, so. So the uh, this is the seek the kingdom of God. Mm, go mm. go out there and look for it because it's there. The kingdom of God is is here. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's going to be in a su- surprising place. That's
1: a really interesting thought, Cam. It occurs the a cliche, but it's a cliche because there's a lot of truth in it that the best defense is good offense. May be that a very good way to avoid sin is to be seeking the kingdom of good. righteousness. Mm, mm, it may even mm. be that such an approach allows one to go into places like pubs with uh, relatively little danger of any kind.
2: Well, I was wondering <coughs> the same thing, actually. Yeah. No, that's a good perception.
0: Well, I also wonder if if there's obviously different tendencies, and you, you wouldn't advise someone who was a recently recovered alcoholic to start evangelising in pubs. So so there's an element to to which trying to pin down to precisely the way God works or the way the devil works in any sort of blanket rule that's going to apply to all people is is probably not very profitable. Yeah. In terms of when you get at the specifics, such as, is it okay for me to go into a pub? Mm. You know, so there are sort of principles involved. We are, I'm looking at the clock. Um, I do want to get back to Luke's point and I don't want to run out of time, so I'm going, I'm going to do it now. Luke's, Luke's comment that, um, we're very quick to identify the devil at work out there, mm. uh, but we don't so much tend to identify the devil at work in here. What's the context that this verse comes from? So, First Peter five has one of a, one of the famous verses in it is the devil on the line. But another famous verse, one of my favourite ones, in fact, just a little earlier on in the chapter. In fact, given that the um. Chapter's pretty short. Why don't we read through the chapter? Yeah, oh, that's of the a good idea. <clears throat> to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. This is 1 Peter 5. Um, and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that's Ooh, under your care, watching over them. Yeah, Not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve not lording it over those entrusted to you, but but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away.
1: Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded... Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world.
2: After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Through Silvanus, our faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you, all who are in Christ.
0: Mm. So it's uh, the chapter's picked up on a couple of the themes that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yes, that, Christ that, being yeah, the shepherd, be shepherds. It's yeah. very clear that, yeah, the double clearer.
2: layering of that that we yeah. that you did speculate on Luke. It's just there in in quite clear um, writing,
0: clear terms. Yeah, uh, the not lording it over those entrusted to mm. you, not not We've not gaining a bit about that.
1: dishonestly or shamefully,
0: as this translation puts it. Yeah, yeah, uh, clothing yourselves with humility, God. A- Pro, opposes the proud but shows favor to i, the I find humbling.
1: really interesting is how in six and seven humbling yourself is is directly associated yeah. with casting your anxieties mm-hmm. on him relying on him mm-hmm. because he cares for you that that is we always talk of humbling ourselves as though it's something without benefit. It's some, It's it's an obligation that we should do because it's good to be humble and bad to be proud. Mm-hmm. This is talking about it as though there is a direct practical benefit. There's a reason yeah. for your own good as well as because it's the right thing to do, that you should humble yourself before God. And yeah. that is well, to, to cast your anxieties away.
2: I actually am reading this in this context as the the prowling devil like the lion that's looking for someone to devour. What's that what form is that devouring going to take? Well, this is coming straight after the discussion of shepherds, of pride and of humility. And, and,
1: and of anxieties. Yeah.
2: It seems to me as if the devil's devouring is actually being connected with the idea of proud self-sufficiency. Mm. The, the person who is proud, who lords it over others, and who gets anxious because they can't fully master their own destiny, that is the person who has suffered the devourment of the devil.
0: Yeah. So, how would you know if you have if if the lion has has got you? Mm. Uh, you won't know it through misfortune. You'll know it because maybe you're super well regarded within the church, and you've you've allowed that regard <laughs> to generate either monetary or social value right for you um, improperly. Um, Maybe you'll know it because you're not humble and you're lording over uh, yeah. it to people. Maybe you'll know it because you're not submitting to other people who know more or mm. in certain matters or have experiences that you don't have. Um, maybe you'll know it because you're proud. But, of course, if you're very proud, you might not know it. That's okay. that's part of the problem. But it seems to me that the devil, we're to be vigilant not primarily for the devil at work in pubs. Mm, mm but for the devil at work in us.
2: Yeah, and maybe even in our church communities more so than our than our pubs. Mm. That's very very interesting. That's challenging. What's yes. cool about it in the context of this seasons discussions is it's actually not not ruined the discussion of the crucible. It's it's a very powerful reminder of of the kind of of crucibles meaning struggles or things that we might struggle with that we actually do have to be cautious of. And it's the very moment where we sit there and think to ourselves, "Boy, aren't I lucky? I don't I've never actually had anything go all that much wrong in my life. I must be a particularly special person. In fact, I think I must be especially blessed by God. In fact, I think I must be more special than anyone else around me." Ooh, that that's the moment, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've enjoyed this discussion enormously. Um I think it's been it's been very good. Lock, in the interests of uh, a bit of a quicker edit in preparation for some family holidays, mm. we're very excited down here in Tassie because Lock and his family um, and other members of our family are going to be coming down here soon, and we're really looking forward to that. Uh, but it gives us less time for the edit, so let's call time there.
2: Mm. Great, great idea. It's been really good, fun. It has.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, please uh, send us comments if so you wish to Sabbath school from home at gmail.com and uh, share this podcast with anyone who you feel would benefit and uh, we do hope that you'll join us again next week.